The world of innovation is full of many unique challenges and conundrums, but perhaps none so painfully true as this. Those who have access to the money don't always have the ideas, and those who have the ideas often find themselves struggling to find the money. This problem is uniquely pronounced in one particular industry, beauty. Brands can't come up with true innovation. A lot of brands don't take the consumer's feedback early enough for it to really make a difference in the end product. They would see consumer research reports that say like 95% of women say this helped reduce fine lines and wrinkles, things like that. But by the time they're doing those studies, that formula is done. They never asked anybody before that, right? Like that thing is on the manufacturing line and getting boxed up and sent over. Millions of them have already been made. A real way to make a difference is to bring the customer in way before that, right? You want to ask her what she thinks of a product before you actually make it. And if she hates it, hey, that's a great way to prevent returns. And that's a great way to prevent failed products and not invest so much money launching a product that people are actually going to not like. That's Patricia Santos, co-founder of Volition Beauty. She saw this problem firsthand when she was a newly minted business school graduate navigating the cutthroat world of venture capital. And it bothered her because the more she encountered the problem, the more she realized that she might have an answer. Okay, like this is definitely a problem that should be solved. And I want to solve it in some way, shape or form. Volition Beauty is on a mission to democratize beauty by putting the power back in the hands of those who use it. Seems simple, right? Patricia will tell you that it is much harder than it sounds but what she's found in return has been greater than anything she could have expected. This is The Journey. There are always exciting things happening in the world of small business. The news that grabs the headlines, though, are always the highlights. The overnight successes, the billion-dollar IPOs, the massive exits. But just like your Instagram feed, that's never the whole story. Let's look deeper than the headlines and press photos. Underneath all of that is the real work of building something valuable and lasting. Don't get me wrong, I love crazy success stories and can be drawn in by those big flashy tales just as much as the next person. But we all know that what's more important than the destination is how you get there. It's the struggles you have to overcome and the insights you learn along the way that make you who you are. So those are the stories we're telling. It's raw, it's honest, and maybe it's exactly what you need to hear. I'm Hillary Georgie, and this is The Journey. So, anyone who owns a small business knows what the difference between surviving and thriving feels like. And obviously, we all aim to thrive. That's why we're excited about our latest partnership with UPS. Our listeners know that whether you're moving your business online or getting into new markets or just trying to make things run faster and more efficiently, small businesses are up against a unique set of challenges. That's why UPS designed innovative tools just for small businesses that are made to help take you to the next level. Learn more about how UPS can get your small business moving forward at ups.com pivot. When Patricia was younger, she had a lot to say. She was a vivacious kid, full of energy, creativity, and life. Her talkative nature had everyone thinking she was going into law, which was a perfectly acceptable, safe option for a career. And for Patricia, picking something sensible was very important. 
the world was unpredictable. Having a stable career was non-negotiable. I think being the good Filipina kid that I was, since everybody was telling me I should be a lawyer, I think I sort of internalized that and thought I was going to be a lawyer when I was younger. But the lure of another path kept calling to Patricia, even as she pursued her very sensible major, economics. A college literature class piqued her interest, and she found herself wondering about another future. What would the world look like if she decided to write instead? In high school, you're always reading Shakespeare and the classic stuff, Charles Dickens, and never really read the more modern writers. So I think that was really where I was like, wow, this is fascinating. I ended up majoring in economics, so that dream died. Patricia, despite her creative interests, finished school and took the next safe, logical step. She started working at Morgan Stanley. The lessons she learned were important, but the things she found herself gravitating toward proved even more so, because even though she said her dream of literature died, something else that lived outside of the safe path was still alive inside and drawing her in. I figured, okay, well, I have some good training. I'm going to go and use my finance and business training to do something that I love. And so I went to go work at a company called Club Monaco that was owned by Polo Ralph Lauren. So started to work in consumer, started to work in retail, loved it, loved the products. Patricia was starting to learn to listen to the part of herself that felt pulled toward this world that married her interests, her business sense and her creative side. I actually went into venture capital to invest in consumer companies. And that allowed me to look at all consumer companies across categories. So not only fashion and retail, but beauty and wellness and services, et cetera. And, and really, I think, was the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey in the sense that I want to do this. I was so inspired by all of the entrepreneurs that I was lucky enough to meet. This is so cool. I really wish I could do this. I really wish I had the courage to do it. Patricia's courage was there, just under the surface, waiting for her to make the leap. But it wasn't until she found herself grappling with one of the biggest problems in one of the biggest industries that she started considering leaving her current job. When I first started looking into the beauty space, even versus all the other categories I was looking at, whether it was like food or consumer packaged goods or even fashion, beauty was full of female entrepreneurs. So I loved it. Loved spending time with them. This is back in the early 2000s. So it was really, really hard for them to get funding. They were pitching to investment committees full of men who didn't use their product. I mean, at least with fast food retail or some kind of food product, somebody was eating it. But in beauty, it was particularly hard to translate, especially the nuances of the brand, right? Because beauty is a very, very crowded space. I get confused by so many beauty products. So there are nuances to the positioning of a brand and positioning of a product that I think if you're just a layperson who's not particularly close to the industry, it's really hard to parse through it. It was really, really difficult for female entrepreneurs, especially in beauty, to raise funding 15 years ago. So my first aha moment was basically, I really wanted to change that. I became obsessed with changing it and allowing some of these entrepreneurs a different way to get their products in front of the consumer. And that was really the very initial sort of tendrils of the volition concept. Patricia found the place where her passion and a need collided. The missing piece she had been searching for, the courage she'd been hoping for arrived when she realized 
that she could help solve the problem before her, and she could do it in a way that empowered the people who needed it most. But starting something new is never as easy as it sounds. After Patricia left her job and dove into the beauty industry, she realized that while she was well-versed in several aspects, she was lacking in others. I left my investing job. And then I quickly realized that I actually had no operating experience whatsoever (laughs) and never sold a beauty product before. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, wait, yeah, uh, yeah, small problem. I worked at another brand. I figured I would kind of cut my teeth and learn some of the actual day-to-day business stuff that it takes to run a beauty brand. So I did that first. And then I think just working there, I realized that there was another side of the problem on the brand side. The problems were multifaceted and complex, and Patricia would need a multifaceted approach to the solution. She started listening to the insiders, the people who were experiencing the dynamics and the roadblocks and the miscommunication in this multi-billion dollar industry. Brands, when they were coming up with new products, were basically lacking innovation. They were sitting around being like, what should we make? What's selling well? And they would just look around at what was already on the market, or they were reading all the same research reports that the other brands were reading. And so it just compounded the noise of the products. And that's why they kind of all sound the same. All of their product decision information is coming from either a handful of executives sitting around a room looking at the same sales reports or the same competitor reports. And I was like, This is a problem. Brands were making the same decisions and producing the same kinds of products in a never-ending cycle. And by the time the consumer had any say in the matter, it was already too late. That thing is on the manufacturing line and getting boxed up and sent over. Millions of them have already been made. So basically, it's like a real way to make a difference is to bring the customer in way before that, right? You want to ask her what she thinks of a product before you actually make it. And if she hates it, hey, that's a great way to prevent returns. And that's a great way to prevent failed products and not invest so much money launching a product that people are actually going to not like. Just working on the operating side made me realize that I could solve two sides of the equation where I'm solving the blockers to innovation on the entrepreneurship side, on the product side, and then create a brand that wasn't following the same path as everyone else and create some kind of differentiated products along the way instead of just looking at the same reports. Patricia was on the right track, but she knew her limitations. Enter Brandy Hoffman, Patricia's soon-to-be business partner. She had the complete complementary skill set that I had. So I was kind of business, data, a little bit of tech given my VC background. And she was all operations and product development and manufacturing and logistics. And she completed me. They had their team. They had their plan. But Volition, as it exists today, was still a dream. Stay with us to find out how they found the missing pieces of the equation that allowed them to create their game-changing platform. Today's podcast is sponsored by UPS. Look, if there's one thing that all small business owners know, it's that keeping customers waiting just doesn't work. So UPS has unveiled their fastest ground shipping ever, getting you to customers in cities across the U.S. up to a day faster. 
And now, Mission Podcast listeners can save on UPS's fastest ground shipping ever with the code SOAR, S-O-A-R. Small businesses around the country trust UPS to get their orders out the door and delivered every day. Your customers don't have time to wait, and you don't have time to waste. So head to ups.com slash pivot and use the code SOAR, S-O-A-R, to start shipping and saving with UPS's fastest ground ever today. Patricia and Brandy knew what they wanted to fix about the beauty industry, but they also knew that the key to creating something innovative would be found in listening to other people, not just those at the top. They went to the source of the products, the chemists who create the groundbreaking formulas. I work with a lot of chemists and a lot of chemists are super frustrated because the brands just come to them and say, hey, copy this. Here's the comp. They call it the comp. They can hand them a product from another company and just say, just tweak that a little bit. So it's basically that same product, but I'm going to slap my label on it. And I know a ton of chemists, they're on the forefront of new ingredients. It's their passion to create these beautiful formulas and they get nagged when they take them to brands because brands just want to do the same old thing. So we have another funnel of innovation if we open it up to some of these chemists as well. And those were actually our very first innovators. It was the chemists who came to us first with formulations that they had been working on and they were excited about, but might've been kind of too cutting edge or too different for their regular clients. So meeting Brandy and having her validate that she was seeing that, you know, she had been in the industry for 20 years at that point and having her say that and notice the same trends. Wow. We're definitely onto something. Let's go to business plan. And she did. Patricia sat down and while taking time off to have a baby, wrote out the first iterations of the Volition business plan. It took about a year to perfect, but then she was off to the races. Well, sort of. The initial business plan was basically a B2B platform. It wasn't a consumer-facing brand. It was this B2B platform that would, on the one side, ingest all of this consumer-submitted innovation and product ideas and input and data points, and then connect it with the brands and the manufacturers that were starved for innovation. So... It was basically like Volition, except we were going to be feeding those product ideas to other brands, as well as connecting the whole system of manufacturers so that then they could easily find the best manufacturer to make that particular product. Because one of the struggles with crowdsourcing ideas and just asking people, what would you make if there were no limitations, is that you actually have to be able to make everything they stumbled on another one of those missing pieces, something that was constantly overlooked by others that made it all seem to click. These ideas they were sourcing from innovators were incredible, and they made the initial Volition business plan look a little too small. Patricia and Brandy needed to think bigger. Brandy and I had this moment where we were like, we shouldn't really be giving that away. And that sort of was the moment where we were like, well, let's just see if we could actually start a brand ourselves and use that brand as the consumer-facing part of this platform. They hit the ground running. There was a lot to do. Both Patricia and Brandy wanted to make sure that whatever they were going to create, it would be worthwhile. They reached out to retailers to make sure the ideas were resonating, and they put up an e-commerce site. 
Then they reached out to the innovators, the people who had products or ideas that were new and exciting. They opened their site up to these creators and they hoped for the best. Even they couldn't have predicted what happened next. What was so fascinating was that the people who were submitting ideas, those are innovators, the innovators were actually doing their own marketing. So they were going out and telling their friends and family, hey, I have this product available. Go check out my site. Go look at it. Pre-order it. Buy it if you can. But the more interesting thing, Hillary, was that when those friends and family, community members of that innovator came to our site, they weren't just buying her product. They were buying other products of other innovators that were on the site as well. I would obsessively look at units per transaction. And it was always over two. They had proven that their concept was worthwhile. So they grew slowly, mostly through word of mouth and a burgeoning community. But then their big break finally arrived, a meeting with a big retailer. It was still very early in their business, and they were both uncertain as to what to expect. Turns out, they were in for a bigger deal than they had bargained for. We weren't expecting it to be a full-on pitch. We thought it would be a 30-minute coffee with a buyer who was basically going to be like, sure, that, uh, I don't know about that idea, or have you thought about this? You know, just give us feedback. I know these two women, would you take 30 minutes and just kind of meet with them? We end up in like the green room. We show up there. We don't even have bottles. We have little like sample packs from the lab. We don't have anything. And I'm looking around and somebody's demoing their curling iron and somebody's over there like full face makeup on, like doing this contour. What is happening? Like, why are we here? Why are we pitching? We have nothing to pitch. It ended up maybe because of a misunderstanding or I don't know what basically being a pitch to the buying team. And we were like, oh my God, I was just freaked out the whole time. They were, of course, 15 minutes late for a 30-minute meeting. They walk in, we start talking about, like, this is a platform, blah, 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 blah. We take innovation from the consumer. And in 20 minutes, they were like, we love it. When can you ship? We don't have products yet. We don't even have bottles. We don't even have packaging. And I'm like, shh, shh, shh. Three months. (laughs) That was the very beginning. How big was that order? Like, how much were they asking for? It was like half a million dollars. Holy cow. It seems to be the dream scenario. The company was up and running and running faster than either Patricia or Brandy could have initially imagined. But for Patricia, the success was always secondary to the main point. She wanted to fill the gap, to find the special thing that was missing between innovators and consumers. She found that what was missing was the chance for everyone to be heard. Since Volition had turned the mic over to others, they've discovered a vast, untapped market and made real impact in spaces where traditionally solutions were missing. Every product we make is rewarding. Some clearly have more of a mission, I think, than others. We call those our mission products. So one of the products that I'm thinking of is our mission brows. We made our mission brows with Deanna Pye. She was the cosmopolitan beauty editor at the time when we were stalking them at the Hearst building, trying to get them to write stories about us. She got liver cancer when she was 27. It was her job to know every single eye pencil and eye palette out there. She came to us and she said, if you have no hair, 
your eyebrows can look really fake, no matter how amazing the products you have are. If you think about it, the beauty industry has the technology. Fake eyelashes are everywhere, but nobody wants to talk about cancer. Nobody wants to talk about losing your hair through chemo. And so she's like, nobody makes eyebrow replacements. So we made the mission brows with her, which is actually real human hair on a micro net, which is very, very similar technology to fake eyelashes. This idea has changed the landscape and allowed for historically underrepresented voices to have a chance to meet the needs of their own communities. It only matters who our innovator is and why she's creating that product. So one product that we have in development right now is, for example, with Dr. Jackie, who is part of our NBCU partnership. She's creating an SPF that works for all skin tones, especially melanated skin tones. And it's a mineral SPF. It's very hard to hide the zinc oxide cast. So we're working on that with her and she's very, very involved in the formulation of it. We can create that product with her because she's very knowledgeable about what she wants, what it needs to look like and what it needs to be. I think what's really interesting about our process, we make sure that our innovators reflect our community properly and that we're creating products for everybody. And in this process of creating products for everyone, they're also creating something else, entrepreneurs. These innovators now have a marketplace for their ideas and a chance to change their lives in the process. What is the mission of this company and why does it matter? We're creating kind of mini entrepreneurs in beauty and we're funding them and we're changing the way that their products are getting to market and turning into commercial successes. And we're getting them on the shelves of Neiman Marcus and Sephora and Ulta and all these amazing retailers that they would normally not have access to. Volition is just getting started. The sky is the limit for the company and it's only just begun to expand, both in its products and in its reach. Patricia wasn't looking to start a beauty company. In fact, one might argue that the sensible move would have been to stay on the original path of working in finance. But there was something missing, and Patricia was brave enough to notice it. And that instinct didn't steer her wrong. Even after she started Volition, she found the missing pieces in her own business plan, and those have led her and her team to the answers that no one else was looking for. The creator economy is booming. In our minds, we want to be the beauty partner, the beauty platform for that economy. We're always, I think, excited by how entrepreneurial some of these creators can be. And it's really awesome to help them kind of monetize their personal brands and expand them into beauty. The world is an ever-expanding puzzle, and the missing pieces are gaps we can fill. They represent answers we can work together to solve. Or, as Stephen Johnson put it in his book, Where Good Ideas Come From, Quote, if you look at history, innovation doesn't come just from giving people incentives. It comes from creating environments where their ideas can connect. The Journey is created by Mission.org and sponsored by UPS. To learn more about the show or mission, visit Mission.org. And to learn more about how UPS can help your business, visit ups.com slash pivot.